Hello and welcome to Intellectual Property Magazine's podcast. I'm your host, Ben Wodecki, and this is our US election special. On the pod today is Chad Lamman from Axin, Veltrop and Harkrider. Chad chairs the firm's IP and FDA practice groups and focuses his practice on patent litigation and counselling, as well as food and drug law. Chad, welcome. How are you? Thanks, Ben. I'm well. Thanks Thanks for having us. I appreciate it. Also joining us is Alan Baer from Phillips Neiser. Alan is a partner in the firm's corporate and business law department and IP practice. He concentrates his practice on international IP, fashion and entertainment law. Alan, thanks for joining us. How are you? Thank you so much. It's great to be here and it's uh, nice to participate. Introductions out of the way, let's get cracking. We're just days away from the US elections. Sadly, IP is taking a quite understandable backseat rather in terms of voter concerns. Alan, would you mind outlining for some IP issues you see the next president having to tackle? The core IP issues and I think they are becoming more prevalent and more part of the national conscience now because we're all locked down, is that in a service economy, property is intellectual property. It doesn't matter who makes the paper clips or the, the table you put your a computer on for Zoom. It matters who makes Zoom. And we're becoming more a nation of intellectual property owners. During the lockdown, after a couple of wobbly months, trademark filings soared in the United States. Our trademark office is having a record year. That's an indication of the importance of branding just as one form of intellectual property. And when you look at everything that's going on now, tomorrow, the Supreme Court will be hearing the most important copyright case in a very long time, Oracle against Google case. And the consequence that's going to have for copyrights in software will be probably significant, uh, unless the Supreme Court finds a way to wiggle around that, having only eight people instead of nine, and therefore struggling possibly for a consensus. So we are seeing here uh, sort of a pivotal point where the transition from manufacturing to services is going to be driven in large part by intellectual property. So it's the sleeping giant. It's the thing people are not talking about, but which will come in large measure to govern their economic lives for the next generation. Chad, anything to add on the, perhaps on the patent side of things? Do you see that kind of taking center stage in terms of the, the IP developments due to, to COVID and, and access issues with vaccines? Yeah, no, I, I certainly think that uh, patents are going to play a critical role uh, going forward, as they always have in the life sciences. I mean, our life sciences, and you know, I'd echo a lot of what Alan already said in terms of the importance to IP, to the economy that we have on, going on right now, and certainly the importance of patents to R&D and the important role that they play in particular in the medical field. And, you know, as, as we talk about therapies for COVID, as we talk about vaccines for COVID, patents play a critical role. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting when you look at the presidential candidates, obviously, as you started out, you know, IP is never front and center in any presidential campaign. Uh, and, and certainly there's enough going on in the campaign today that IP won't take center stage. But there are certainly some interesting issues as it relates in particular to COVID, you know, it's kind of interesting and immediate issues as it relates to COVID. There's been a lot of conversations by some of the candidates, uh, particularly during the primary season, about the role that patents play and and should play or or shouldn't play in terms of uh, products getting to market and companies being able to use their patents and exclude others. Uh, Senator Harris had made some comments about, uh, you know, going in and I, I think the word she used was snatch patents 
from companies who are excluding other, others from practicing their inventions. In other words, you know, not, not allowing others to uh, use therapies and essentially keeping prices in, in her mind too high. That could be a reflection of policy going forward in a potential Biden-Harris administration. You know, I'm, I'm sure it wouldn't be the using the word snatch. She was saying that on the campaign trail, but using the government's uh, margin rights potentially or putting other pressure on companies to not enforce their patent rights as much in order to expand access and potentially lower prices. And, you know, we may see that pretty quickly in terms of the vaccines being developed and some of the therapies being developed. A lot of them are being done with kind of joint work between either funding or assistance through various governmental agencies. And the next administration, I think, will have to uh, struggle with, you know, what happens if, say, the price of a vaccine or price of a therapy is really high or just if enough can't get produced in a timely manner. You know, I think companies uh, will have some control over that in terms of uh, being able to ramp up their own supplies and getting product out to the market. And certainly the companies that have been working on these so far have had a lot of discussions about what they're doing with their own supply chains uh, when they do get products or vaccines approved. But it will be interesting to see how how the next administration, you know, be it either a continuation of the Trump administration or Biden-Harris administration, deal with patents and IP rights as we do get COVID therapies or vaccines out into the market. I think Chad is right about that. I'd like to broaden that a bit, if you don't mind. If there is an ideological break and we have become more polarized in our ideology, it is the Trump administration has respected in a strong way private property. And if IP is the property of the future, consider that the Trump administration filed a brief supporting the IP owner, Oracle, in the Oracle against Google case. And that's contrary to what a lot of uh, other uh, organizations, institutions, and uh, professors had done. The Trump administration's protection of property rights, being a somewhat conservative point of view, if you look at it, has been consistent with American policy ever since we went from being a net IP pirate to being a net IP exporter and therefore protector sometime around when when Hollywood first became an international uh, phenomenon. So I I think we're now at another position of, of a potential turning point. If the moderate that is to say, the liberal branch of the Democratic Party remains in some control. And if a President Biden were to adhere to it, the change would be somewhat subtle. If the left wing branch got hold of it, you would see more of what the experience here has been called the copy left, uh, where they are not in favor of personal property standing in the way of, of what they perceive to be a social need for a broader use of patented technologies, copyrighted technologies, all the other uh, indicia of IP ownership that have created value and have been of great economic consequence to the country. They would want to see that spread out more to lower prices and for other things they perceive as, as a public good. That's going to be the potential fork in the road as to how far left a President Biden would go and accept that. Remember, the Silicon Valley people were the darlings of the uh, American left until they let the alt-right figure out how to how to use uh, uh, video cameras and upload. And all of a sudden, now they are the enemies of the left, unintentionally, I think. And they're being examined very closely for social responsibility, potential monopoly charges. And I think that could all factor in concerning where we would see a Biden administration potentially go, middle, moderate, 
or left. That's interesting that you mentioned the kind of the tough stance of the Trump administration. The one thing that I found interesting, Alan, was President Trump's apparent disregard for, for copyright laws, particularly through his very active social media and Twitter usage. Some examples being having HBO come after him for uh, clips, same with Warner Brothers for Batman. Does that impact his, his tough stance, would you say? No, I think we're dealing with the bifurcation between the president Trump's policies and his monumental ignorance about basic things, such as if you use a clip owned by somebody else, you've just taken their intellectual property. President Trump had started as a real estate developer. And I I remember when that began, when he smashed up the freezes at Bonwit Teller that he had promised to the Metropolitan Museum and became a, a television celebrity. And he was, and you can see from his tax returns that the New York Times somehow got hold of that his primary source of income in his golden years was uh, from his television show and from licensing his brand. He is IP. So there is a very strong reason why he would want trademark rights, uh, personal rights, uh, celebrity rights, if you will, uh, rights of privacy and, and, and publicity, as it's called, to be uh, protected because that helps him, but doesn't stop him from from turning around and saying, hey, look at this great clip. I'm going to post it up as if he were a high schooler who thought something really cool was out there and wanted to share it on his or her social media account. Chad, I just want to come on to the kind of the over-politicalization of IP. Like we said at the top, it's not something that everyone on everyone's mind, but I personally say over the last four years, it's become to the forefront of the voters' minds, the trade war and, and, and all sorts of, of issues that are becoming more prevalent. Would you say that over the next four years, IP is now set up for a bigger role because of, of the last four? And therefore, should IP professionals and practitioners be paying closer attention to, to the potential result of this election? Oh, that's, that's a really interesting question, Ben. I do think, you know, maybe it's that everything is being over-politicized, but I do think that there are some kind of critical issues that are very much, uh, you know, put to the forefront of the, the American public's mind due to things being politicized. You know, you mentioned that the trade disputes and the issues surrounding trying to stop certain theft overseas, you know, particularly in, in the trade discussions with China. Obviously, that's become very much uh, to, to the forefront of voters' minds, put there, you know, by, by the candidates in the discussions. And then, you know, as we already discussed, some of the both pricing and, and access issues when it comes to, you know, pharmaceuticals, uh, drugs and biologics, I think is also something that is to the forefront of people's minds. And, you know, I do think we see, you know, politicians kind of across the spectrum, you know, be it the presidential candidates and maybe them on a, on a less basis, but certainly in Congress discuss IP, you know, more fully than I think they have in the past, because I do think it is on people's minds. And I think, uh, you know, the, the over politicalization of the COVID response is something something else that is going to put some of these IP issues that we mentioned before in terms of the patents and and access and pricing to the forefront of people's minds. So, you know, I think it does, you know, bear watching uh, that people in the IP field should be paying attention to what the candidates are saying and certainly what they're doing, paying attention to what Congress is talking about, too, because it's not just the presidential election, but the the elections for the House and the Senate that will also have an impact on, on IP policy moving forward. And I do think, you know, over time is IP tends to more and more dominate our economy, be a big part of what our economy is about and and moving things forward. I do think watching elections and watching what's being discussed by policymakers is something, you know, that those who are practicing in IP uh, need to do more more regularly than maybe we've done in the past. What's your thoughts on this, Alan? We've had 
four years and a ton of changes. Section 101, TM Act, MMA, USMCA changes. Do you agree with Chad that, that we should paying attention to this and, and actively waiting for, for what's going to happen? I think we need to pay attention and to be ready for the unexpected and even the inexplicable. Consider that in 2016, I was I went through Central Europe. I mean, I'm a dual national, so they have to let me in. And I had to calm Europeans who were anxious about the uncertainty of the American election and tell them that it was not at all possible that Donald Trump would be president and they should just focus on what they understood as, as being American policy and carry on. Completely wrong, of course. So we don't know what can happen. And we just have to be mindful of that. No one expected, except apparently Bill Gates in his TED Talk, a, a pandemic to come and a few very wise people. How that's going to impact our turf is something that if we predict, will probably become at best partially right and, and in many cases completely wrong. But we should be mindful of the enormous power that intellectual property has has. And that as that power becomes more known to the public, I think in the future, it will likely become more consequential to, to voting. I mean, what the, I think President Trump was in office for three days before he did what he promised to do is to pull the U.S. out of TPP, the Trans-Pacific Pact. And that has now morphed into the CPTPP, I guess because more initials are, are, are better than a few. And that pulled out the IP protections that America had negotiated. I think there's something like 22 of them in the original pact that we had anticipated signing until President Trump changed that. So now we're sort of back to a problem in the Pacific Rim, at least, concerning uh, IP protections. And we are now getting more and more into a, something of an espionage war with China. The uh, Chinese espionage of American IP has become a material economic problem in the United States. So that's something we have to consider long term. So we've had four years of Trump, four years of endless acronyms. I think we're all fed up of acronyms. But are either of you brave enough to offer your predictions for how this election is going to play out in terms of who's going to take the White House? Well, I've done, I've done that. I did that in 2016, and I was loud on my face wrong. It does appear as if uh, Joe Biden will get the election because he's not Donald Trump. He hasn't said all that much. He hasn't been seen all that much, probably for the best, because he does tend to make a lot of uh, mistakes when he talks, and he doesn't look as spry and vigorous as perhaps the American public would want their president to be. Not that Donald Trump does either, by the way. But simply by default, he hasn't been in charge of the last four years, and that alone may be enough to carry him in. If I was able to predict, I'd be in a different line of work. So <laughs> it's, uh, you know, as Alan said from the last election, it, it is uh, so hard to to read what's going on. And unless there are like changes all the time and, you know, it, things pop up all the time. So unfortunately, Ben, I don't, I don't have a prediction for you. You know, I think I, I would say election night will be really interesting. You know, I'm afraid it might be, you know, election night plus the few weeks or even a month or two post-election until we know. Well, in that case, Alan, when this is all over and if Trump wins, we'll have to play this back and <laughs> hope, hope we don't regret it. I'm sure I'll regret something I've said. I, I, I typically do. But I think one way or the other, whoever wins, the U.S. is becoming more heavily reliant economically on IP. And even if you are to the left of the spectrum, you want to tax something in order to raise money for what you intend to do right now, the economic value is increasingly piled onto IP. And if you don't allow people to own it and use it, you can't tax it. So I think either way, the consequentiality of IP will become uh, something that becomes more known in the next 
four years plus. And I also think that either way, we'll just manage to, as uh, somebody says, in a, on a very wise island, uh, keep calm and carry on. That is a perfect way to end the discussion. We want to take the time to thank our panellists for joining us today. And thank you for listening. Please make sure to check out intellectualpropertymagazine.com for all the latest IP news, views and developments from around the world. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And thank you. Please stay safe. <laughs> <laughs>